Hello, Brian, and welcome back to Japan by River Cruise. I'm Bobby Judo. Konnichiwa. I'm Oli Horn. And joining us this week is Dogen, Japanese teacher and one of the most popular producers of funny online Japanese content, which honestly makes him kind of a fish out of water for this show about the very serious world of Japanese river cruises. But we'll work with what we've got. Dogen, thanks for joining us. Yeah, happy to be here. Thank you for having me. On this week's show, the world of Japan based content creation. Who's the audience and how do you approach creating original content in a market that some would say is already oversaturated? We're going to write down what Dogen says and then do all of it. Plus, Ollie's got your weekly River Cruise recommendation. Ollie? Yes, Bobby, this week's recommendation is the Sumida River Cruise, which is taking a novel approach to ensuring that the foreign customer base engages in a respectful Japanese bow after purchasing onboard snacks. Their solution? They've replaced the concession stand with a vending machine. Plus, yet another river cruise company is looking at improving their carbon footprint by switching to alternative energy. This one is planning to have their cruisers powered entirely by the wind generated by the hand waving of all of the decommissioned SoftBank robots. That's coming up later in the show, but first, Soap Talk. Brian, um, last episode, you spoke more than you ever have before, and we had some feedback that you sounded a little bit、um, artificial. You got me. Okay, Brian.、Um, Dogen, while we have you here,、uh, we have to talk about our sarcasm tweet. We, we did a viral、uh, tweet a few weeks back.、Um, we、yeah. did a viral tweet. I think it's our only <laughs> really <laughs> viral tweet to date. Also, what's nice is you saying we did a viral tweet. We did it. That was the plan. All, all the rest, we don't want them to have any coverage. <laughs> <laughs> But、uh, it, was, it was this very simple joke where, where it was just, you know, Westerners. I tweeted this because I saw an actual online Twitter interaction where somebody was talking about how Japanese people don't understand sarcasm and sarcasm doesn't work in Japan. And I was,、mm-hmm. I was playing with different kind of like tweet formats. I was thinking,、um, Yeah, I could do like the tired, wired format because this idea of foreigners saying that Japanese people don't have sarcasm is, is kind of a tired one to me. It's old hat, isn't it? Yeah. What I ended up doing was just saying,、um, Westerners, Japanese people don't understand sarcasm. And the Japanese reply to that is, you are very good at our language. It's a great joke. Well, it, apparently, it's a, a common joke. And one thing that I noticed <laughs> right away is that a lot of people started replying by linking Dogen GIFs. And I was like, oh shit, has he done this already? <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't know if they were doing it、um, just because you've achieved kind of like meme status and it was a good go to meme for that kind of joke, or if、mm-hmm. you had already、mm-hmm. done the same joke.、Um, turns out a different comedian who we also know, Meshida,、yeah. <laughs> had already done that joke. He's got a video of him doing it in stand up. Yeah, I saw that. But in terms of this idea of、uh, whether or not Japanese people use sarcasm or understand humor with sarcasm in it,、um, mm-hmm. what do you think about that? And as a follow up question, do you forgive us for stealing your joke?、Um, I'll never forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> that said, I actually I haven't made that joke before. I've made a, a, a fair number of jokes that kind of play on the premise of tatemai、uh, versus honne. So, kind、mm-hmm. of like what people. How you act with people that are your close friends and like your inner circle versus how you act with people that are outside. It's kind of similar in the sense that, you know, you're not really showing your true self to, you're only showing your true self to like your kind of closest friends、yeah. and family members, so to speak. But I've never done that, that juxtaposition before, which I think is 
a really good, really good one. Well done, Meshida. <laughs> <laughs> With regards to the whether or not sarcasm occurs in Japanese humor or not, I certainly think that it does. Um, I, I've seen Sammasang, who is a, probably arguably the most famous Japanese comedian. I yeah. think that he probably uses sarcasm significantly more than most other mainstream comedians. Um, but he does use it a, a fair amount. And um, beyond that, I think it's more of an issue of maybe the type of sarcasm. Mm. I think that um, perhaps in, in Japan with the way that Japanese culture is very specific with, I would say, well, like the levels of politeness and like uh, respecting your elders – those kind of issues, it's kind of necessary to be somewhat careful when speaking in certain circumstances compared to the same circumstance in English, I would argue. One, one theory I had, and we've discussed this on the show, is that sometimes sarcasm is used, and I'm generalizing, in the West more uh, to make a point that you wouldn't otherwise like to say. Mm-hmm. And so when I map this, say, to one of your, you know, one of your videos on YouTube or, or Twitter, sometimes you talk about situations that you find yourself in as a foreigner that you're annoyed by. And to give, if you were to do that kind of skit in English, they might say, I'd like you to fill out this form. And I'd also like you to fill out this identical form with the same information, but it's just on a different sheet of paper. And mm-hmm. you, might want, you might want to show your exasperation in English by going, oh, that's great because form filling happens to be one of my hobbies. And mm-hmm. that might actually get a laugh uh, you know, as a way of communicating, well, you're mm-hmm. taking the piss. I shouldn't have to do this, but I will. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you said that exact same thing directly translated into Japanese. The person that you're dealing with, if you are a foreigner, might go, okay, weird flex, but, you know, there's plenty more. They might not realize that you're communicating mm-hmm. that you're mm-hmm. displeased by this. I think that you're correct in the assumption. I think the assumption is correct in the sense that if you if you did try and use humor in that specific situation, it would probably kind of backfire. Yep. It, it wouldn't go over the same way that it would in, in the West, and I'm generalizing there. But that could be, again, because of the, what would you say, roles that are much more defined in Japanese society. Again, like on a Terebi Bangumi, if it's Sammasang, it's, mm. it's almost a given that he's going to be using some sarcasm. But in that, that situation that you described, Ollie, the notion, well, there, it's in the overwhelming majority of cases, it's going to be the customer and the well, the company or the person from the shiakusho, and just that uh, kind of relationship or interaction mm. kind of already has a very, very different, um, well, general feel atmosphere than yeah. something yeah. like that's going to be on on a on a bangumi. It's totally situational. It's situational. And in a situation yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. people are not expecting sarcasm. And the other mm-hmm. level is that when they're dealing with the foreigner, their their tendency is to read for literal meaning and not look for anything else. Yes, and I, yes. I think when you hear foreigners complaining about Japanese people don't understand sarcasm, most of the time what it comes down to is, I made a joke and it didn't go over. Like mm-hmm. I made a joke and it didn't work. <laughs> right. And there are other reasons that your joke didn't work. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bobby, you've made your point. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll quit it. 
<laughs> we should take this opportunity to thank all of the new members and coffee buyers. We've had an absolute influx, a, a veritable tidal wave. It's rocked the boat. Yeah, when it when it rains, it pours coffee. Uh, so uh, we want to thank uh, Jake, who bought one of the boys' merch pack, uh, which, by the way, we are considering uh, infringing on Dogen's top copyright and adding a Nihongo Jozu sticker to that <laughs> merch pack. First to market advantage. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So keep keep your eyes uh, your eyes peeled for that. We might even give him a free one hey. um, because he is certified jaws. Uh, we also need to thank <laughs> Rob who bought uh, five coffees. And, and Rob said, "Hey, Bobby, thanks again for being a guest in my class and discussing with the students." Uh, is that um, isn't that the guy that teaches cater to entitled foreigners one hundred and one? Yes, <laughs> yeah, it is. And actually, this is true. He invites me to his class every so often because he uses a lot of my old YouTube videos about how to cater to entitled foreigners uh, in his classes. <laughs> Uh, Brooklyn Bonsai bought us five coffees. Thanks for thoughtful and moderately humorous content. Someone bought us three coffees. They uh, say that we keep them up to date on Japanese popular culture and cultural trends and lots of laughs. And we have two new members. I choose Exile uh, and Atsuro Tsujino, who was a previous guest. I hope you read the terms of service very carefully, Atsuro. <laughs> we, now, we now have rights to your firstborn. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, look, thank you ever so much for, for everyone that, that continues to support the show. We're very humbled by it. If you'd like to to join this Motley crew and become a member for $5 a month, then you can do so at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Japan by River Cruise. And if you'd like some exclusive Dogen approved merchandise, uh, then that will be on sale uh, for, for, from next week. With that, shall we jump into the news? Bobby Judo, what's in the news this week? Well, this week we are talking about the world of Japan-based social media content, which hasn't technically qualified as topical news since Logan Paul found that body. Uh, but <laughs> this is a topic that I am excited for. Our guest, Dogen, and maybe some others on this show have amassed social media followings of um, various sizes, I'll say, <laughs> by creating Japan-related content, specifically comedy content. So, mm -hmm. Dogen, as somebody who's experienced as a writer and comedy performer, is almost entirely via social media, how do you approach creating content? And is Ali right to resent you for finding a way to essentially do stand-up that didn't involve years of open mics and driving across the country to learn a craft and never having to ever have a bad kick? Um, <laughs> Ali wrote this question. <laughs> well, yes and no. Um, I did creative writing, and I tried to... I, I did try and get published for about four years before I did started on YouTube. Mm. So, so I did have the crash and burn before the similar, what would you say, years of failure before anything took off. <laughs> so I know what that's like. Right. Don't worry, Ali, you still might make it. Okay, stop it, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in terms of how I try and, well, I would say maybe my online strategy mm -hmm. for writing, well, doing comedy related to Japan. My strategy hinges on the fact that I think that I'm just smart enough to know that I'm not smart enough to be able to maintain even my current level of hopefully success um, unless I'm working at 100% all the time. Mm. And what I mean by that is I really try and treat each of my social media platforms, and I'm only on two. I'm only on Twitter and I'm only on uh, YouTube. I don't have like an Instagram or a TikTok or anything like that, but I try and treat those as portfolios 
rather than open diaries. Mm. And to give a, a couple examples, I see a fair number of people online, and I used to do this all the time as well. And I'm not saying that this is bad. This is, it's just that this approach hasn't worked for me. You, maybe you have a channel related to, to gardening or something. Arbitrary example, but you have a, your, your content is gardening related. Now, if you spend maybe five minutes here, 10 minutes there, writing tweets that aren't related to gardening and say, mm. oh, I, yeah, I just got back from the Avengers movie. It was good, but I preferred, you know, Civil War. Or, hey, check out this, you know, avocado toast. This was really good. Great cafe. Go check it out. I don't think that's, that's going to alienate the audience by any means. But again, going back to my own intelligence, I know that in if I spend five or 10 minutes writing those tweets, and I think that most people, when they write a tweet, myself included, they try and make it a little bit, what would you say? Um, mm. Well, you know, catchy, smart. Right. If I spend five or 10 minutes doing that, that's five or 10 minutes not writing the, the content, the comedic tweet. And I need those five minutes mm. because mm. any time that I have ever written a tweet that's gone, you know, semi, semi-viral has done pretty well. This is kind of getting like behind the curtain, so to speak. But I've never written a tweet that's gone viral or got everyone has a diff- different definition of viral, but has done well. Three likes for me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> that I didn't spend at least an hour if not multiple hours and slept on for at least two days before I tweeted it. Right. So arbitrary example here, but um, in quotes, this is the tweet, in quotes, it's not possible to learn Japanese from anime. And then I reply to that within, within the same tweet and I say, hate to say this, but it's true. One must also use manga and hentai. Mm-hmm. So th- th- that did pretty well. It got like 3,000 retweets. But, that's, but that is a joke. I mean, that is a joke. And it uses like established patterns of joke writing. And it's got the rule mm-hmm. of three in there. And it's got a, a, a slight kind of pullback and reveal. And, you know, for what it's worth, I, I agree with you. I, I think this idea of social media as a portfolio, I've mm-hmm. not heard that way of it being described. But I think mm-hmm. that really works for what you're doing. And it makes complete sense. It's not that your followers are not necessarily interested that you might have had avocado toast. Mm-hmm. It's that if someone arrives on your page and they don't know what you're about within two or three seconds, they're not going to follow you. Whereas if they if someone arrives on your Twitter, it's like, okay, I've got a passing interest in learning Japanese, I'm in. And for you, I think a lot of your income comes from your Japanese teaching. And mm-hmm. so this mm-hmm. is kind of the top end of your funnel to get people into there. And, yes. and I think it makes complete sense. I, I think Bobby and I have the same experience too, that often, I mean, sometimes the odd bit of content does better than we expect. But certainly mm-hmm. the jokes where Bobby and I have gone back and forth to go, what do you think of this? And I say, why don't you cut this line? Or why don't we mm-hmm. change it to a British spelling? Or <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. whatever it is that, that we end up doing does mean that the tweet does better. But yes. that said, no matter how much work you do on the on the content, that content needs a market. And my, mm-hmm. my general view is you can work as hard as you can on that content, but unless the, there's like a product market fit, Mm-hmm. the content's never going to do well. And mm-hmm. what's good about your content is your audience really, really wants this content. And, <laughs> you know, you've, you've, you, you've, you've cultivated an audience that is hoping that every three tweets ends in uh, reaffirming that their Nihongo is indeed Jossie. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but but is, is there something to be said that 
even if you could sustain the same audience and the same business objectives mm-hmm. by sharing a bit more of your personal life, mm-hmm. do you still have some reluctance to do so? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that the reason for that, well, I'd say there's, there's probably two reasons in my personal case. The first being that one of my primary goals is to become a better writer. And I don't see how sharing my personal life will help with with that goal. Again, I just right. I, I feel like it's I'm not saying it's it's not good for for many many people, but uh, for my for my own personal circumstances, if I want to do like, you know, a family vlog or something like that, that's going to be hours of work that wouldn't go into creating a new script. And every time I write a new script, and you guys are familiar with this as well certainly, but you learn maybe one more additional thing about the writing process or, or, or your mm-hmm. own intuitions and that kind of thing. And in that sense, I, I feel like I should really just stick to w- what I'm doing and try and become, try and continue becoming, well, yeah, just try and become a better writer. Mm. And I think that that requires my full attention. Um, and the second reason is that, um, and this is just, again, my own personal take I'm not saying other people shouldn't do this, but um, I don't want my family to be to end up being responsible for my past and future mistakes. <laughs> and in that sense, mm. be, because my girls are only like three years old at this point, three or five, three point five years old, three and a half years old, you know, if I do something really stupid, maybe like. Uh, I hardly drink to begin with, but arbitrary example, like if I got drunk because, you know, my business collapsed or something like that, you know, Patreon as a company didn't work anymore and uh, I lost all my, almost almost all my income and then I got drunk and maybe went, did like drunk driving or something and got into an accident and, and someone got hurt, then that, the stigma would be attached to my family as well if they had been in my videos. So I, I kind of see it again as protecting my, my daughters and my wife from my own kind of personal past and future mistakes mm. by, tr- by not putting them in my videos. But again, that's my own kind of personal thing. That's, um, that's an interesting way to think about it, one that clearly had not already occurred to me, uh, <laughs> whose <laughs> daughters appear in a lot of his tweets. Um, <laughs> Also, in Bobby's defense, he is a very confident drunk driver. <laughs> <laughs> well, but Bobby, I, I've certainly noticed that for you, mm-hmm. um, well, at least in maybe the, the most 10 recent tweets that you've done about your daughters, it's less of pictures and more of just my, my daughter said this oh, yeah, yeah. about this specific situation. So it's much more, I don't know if it's intentionally a little, a little bit more vague, but it's certainly mm. I still see that as kind of fundamentally different than like, hey, just got up with like my my daughter. Uh, yeah. Hey, why don't yeah. you say hi to the viewers? You know, that kind of thing. I think I've never gone as far as a lot of online personalities do in terms of letting people into your real private life. Uh, my mm-hmm. wife has a policy where she doesn't want to be in any pictures or videos that that go out to the yeah. public. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We've stopped putting our kids online in terms of the pictures of them so much. I think since after they turned four, I really mm-hmm. stopped kind of uh, uploading regularly things mm-hmm. where they could be seen. Yeah, um, yeah, and yeah. also in terms of the jokes that I post online where, you know, my wife said this or my kid said this, I think mm-hmm. a lot of times people 
also don't realize that those are also crafted jokes. They're yeah, written yeah, yeah, jokes. Yeah. And occasionally somebody will come in and said, there's no way your daughter said that exactly like that. And I'm like, mm -hmm. of course not. Of course she didn't say yeah. exactly that. What <laughs> I'm doing is encapsulating something she expressed in a way that is yeah. more economical in terms of the number of words used and something yes. that hits harder. Yes. Although that, that could be a strategy. If you could teach her to talk in jokes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Revenue generating. Yeah. What, yeah. Um, so... I think because other personalities do grow their followings by letting people into their personal lives so much and kind of, you know, showing up as everybody's friend, um, mm -hmm. there's this expectation now of the audience. There's this conflation mm -hmm. of content with personal life. So as somebody mm -hmm. who is kind of laser focused on, on content and getting better mm -hmm. in terms of just your content, how do you deal with the expectation that a personality is now kind of obligated to their following and their following standards of acceptable behavior? Um, well, I think that because of the approach that I've taken in never bringing my family into the the whole situation to begin with, I think a lot of people are kind of on board with that to begin with, so to speak. And as well, we talked about using social media as a pro, uh, a profile as opposed to like an open diary. And I think that if people come to my my Twitter or my YouTube, in the overwhelming majority of cases, they're going to say, "Oh, okay." This is this guy's talking about the Japanese language and Japan and he's making jokes about it. I can't see anything else. Then I think in in that sense the expectation that I'll be talking about my family and or content that isn't related to that is low to begin with. You mentioned this idea of having to produce for quantity and how it forces people to lower the bar sometimes. Uh I would say that in terms of Japan-based content, some of us feel that the bar is already pretty low. <laughs> and it's pretty low because <laughs> there's so much of it out there. Um, and mm -hmm. I, see, I see it as cyclical. I see it as generational. You get these new generations of people getting into Japan, coming to Japan, and producing content that deals with you know, the first-time Japan experiences, the second-year mm -hmm. Japan experiences. Mm -hmm. Do you ever kind of feel when you look at your own content and other people's content that we're all talking about the same things that tons of others have talked about before us? Absolutely. And part of my philosophy, again, when it comes to my comedic content is that I, I really try and create, well, I try and focus on quality. And in order to, to focus on quality and write the jokes that for me, I think are, are the best, again, that requires me, I'm... I necessarily can't spend time talking about other things such as, you know, what I ate for breakfast that day or my thoughts on this movie or whatever it might be. Now, because there are so many jokes about Japan that have already been said by people, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 50 years ago, I kind of try and be conscious of that and really think about, okay, this, this is the situation but how do I present this in a slightly different way? Because this probably has been said before. Mm. But what, what's, what's the new angle? What's the new twist? What's the word that gives it that kind of slightly different flavor, so to speak? Mm. One of the things that I really like about concentrating on the Japanese language and living life in Japan as a foreigner is that because it's a saturated market, it forces me to kind of up my game, so to speak. I have to, again, try my absolute hardest, stay at 100% in order to 
even maintain my my you know air quotes position mm, yeah you have to be or what i jaws it exactly <laughs> <laughs> but there's so much truth to that yeah that all the jokes have already been said and we're kind of just you know recycling every what what all the people before us have said well, I mean, the same thing is true about comedy in the West. I mean, everybody does jokes about you know marriage. Everybody does jokes about yeah, sex yeah. and kids. But it's about the audience, there, Bobby, isn't it? it you know, the, the, the same jokes have been made, but they they haven't been heard by that audience. And something that YouTube and, and these platforms has done is is democratize accents to different audiences. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I just don't see it. I don't see it as a bad thing to to bring an idea that's already happened. But your skill being that you've packaged that in a way that's suitable and entertaining for a specific subset of an audience. Yeah, I think you're exactly mm-hmm. right. I think um, I think a long time ago when I first saw, so I, I consider myself a very very kind of early generation J vlogger, mm-hmm. but who then yep, transitioned yep. to kind of like Japan facing stuff. And when I see new J vloggers kind of dealing with the same issues that I was dealing with, I go, "But I already made that video. <laughs> like you, you don't have to make that video. I already did it." But it's totally yeah. natural that you know a yes, new generation yes, yes. has a has somebody else dealing with that issue for them or bringing yeah, it into absolutely. their dialogue. Absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. Dogen, a lot of your comedy um, is achieved through the juxtaposition of what's being said in Japanese as opposed mm-hmm. to you know what it actually means, which you express through the English subtitles. Um, mm-hmm. How have bilingual Japanese people or native Japanese people responded to those kinds of jokes? Well, there there are certainly some videos where I've made jokes along those lines, but generally speaking, the joke is the same in both English and Japanese, or both Japanese and English. It's just that I found when translating comedy, oftentimes a direct translation is the least funny way to get the yeah, point across. Absolutely. Yeah. And because of that, it just kind of naturally I naturally I end up saying that's something that's a little bit different from um the the Japanese. So here's an example. I I I did make a video about Honne versus uh you know tatemai. And in the Honne section of the video, basically well, in the tatemai section, it was these two guys talking to each other, basically in a company and being like, oh, hey, how's it going? You know, how's your wife and kids? Oh, they're good. Yeah. How are you doing? But then in the uh, honne, so like what's actually go- like the in between the lines co- conversation, so to speak, it's, oh, hey, how's Kumiko? You know that like we dated in college, right? And then, yeah, yeah. you remind <laughs> me, every- you remind me every week, <laughs> you know, knock it off yeah. already. But I believe that... Um, the next line that I say is, did I ever tell you about that time that we went to a love hotel? And I think mm-hmm. that for the translation of that line, I ended up writing, does she still like doing that thing with the bicycle seat? Dot, yeah, dot, yeah. dot. <laughs> yeah. And again, it's, it's not a direct translation, but for the Japanese viewer, love hotel um, makes a lot more sense in terms of, okay, he's playing off of the the setting, which is, you know, this guy's dunking on the other guy saying, oh, yo, I used to, you know, date and hook up with your, with your wife. wife. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's very specific in the sense that I'm using the word love hotel, which isn't something that comes up in the West. Mm-hmm. So I just made right. the translation. Does she still like doing the thing with the bicycle seat? Because it's still 
it has the specificity of the Love Hotel,、mm. but it has the what do you say localization、right. of Western culture. So well, it's, it's more localized well, for Western culture. If you really wanted to do a good job of transmitting Japanese culture to the West, you would have just gone Love Hotel with an asterisk and then three paragraphs explaining what a Love Hotel is. That's true. <laughs> I didn't think about that approach. <laughs> Hey, thanks very much for listening to this episode ninety of Japan by River Cruise. If you've enjoyed the show and you'd like to show your love and appreciation for the wonderful world of Japanese river cruises, then we have fourteen bumper sticker packs left available to buy on our Buy Me a Coffee page at buymeacoffee.com/forward/slash/JapanByRiverCruise. You can also find Ali and I on our Twitter accounts.、Uh, thank you to our guest this week, Dogen. Dogen, do you have a Twitter account? I do. D O G E N. And、um, if anyone's interested,、uh, shameless plug here, but I teach Japanese pronunciation and pitch accent on Patreon.com/slash/Dogen. So, you know, it's a, potentially a good resource for people that、um, want to learn beyond what's covered, the basics in most textbooks. You can finally learn how to say sekembanashi properly. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. and also probably how to how to say Dogen's name correctly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for not being too strict with us, and thanks to you guys for listening. We will see you next week.